I haven't done one of these in like a couple weeks. So, um, first of all, thanks for having me. I hope you guys are well. I hope everybody listening is well. So, it's been a very interesting time to say the least. And you know, we're getting we're getting close to the point where uh, you know it's going to get a little crazy, probably. Like the Marlins probably have to make some really big decisions coming up soon. And I, and I would say. I thought uh, I thought Kevin made the, the probably the correct point, which was I, I think I think everyone enjoyed the first half of the season as a fan, and I think that you have to do that. There's been so much losing in 20 years, I think you have to enjoy it. But you know, I I think I've probably watched. There's probably people out there that have watched more Marlins baseball from the beginning of the season than me. Uh, Kyle calling all the games on the radio. You know, like all the all the all the people who work for the team, I guess, and who were there. I consider myself like if you said to me, how much, what percent did you watch of the season game wise, whether it's in person or TV? I probably would say ninety five percent. I probably have missed five percent for some reason. The beginning of games does not interest me. The Marlins almost never score at the beginning of the game, and it always seems like I could tune into the game or you know just hang around to the second and then the things start happening. I don't know if it feels like that all around the league, but it just feels like that with the Marlins where it's like either they're down two, nothing or three, nothing, or there's just like no score until the third inning and then things happen. So the reason why I'm mentioning all this is because I feel like I'm educated enough to say that the first half, they were very lucky. I mean, there's just no getting around it. They had a lot of games. They shouldn't have won that. They won. Uh, I think you've heard now skip talk more about that feeling the same way. Um, you know, there's definitely skill involved, but they had some really fortunate wins in the first half of the season. You know, a lot come to mind, and, and I've noted them all. I've talked to you guys about them. I've talked to you guys in the press box about them. I've talked to fans about them, and they just don't want to listen. But, you know, the game against the White Sox where they scored five runs, like that was just so insane to have Tim Anderson commit that error and Zavala to have that catcher's interference like Savala had never done that in any level of any play since he's been an amateur or pro you know to have Moniac in the outfield basket catching a ball out of nowhere you know and and, and Thice the catcher of the Angels can't touch home plate on a double play the game would have been over I mean the same guy today uh Doyle who made that great catch to, to off the bat of Myers he dropped the ball on a solar home run that went over the field. The rock, you know, and and and, and got hurt. It went on the injured list. And and Hicks threw the ball over a first baseman's head. And Alexis Diaz couldn't throw the ball home against Oakland in a game that they Oakland should have won too. And there's more. And so the reason why I bring all this stuff up is that this is what this is who the Marlins are. It just so happened that unfortunately those those eight losses came all at once. But they're a team that's above 500. They should be above 500. It should not have been 14 games over 500. I don't think that that ever should have been the case. So that being said, you have to look around the league and determine, based on Miami's win percentage of being a team above six games or seven games or even eight games, deadline. And I guess I'm into tonight. And by the way, it takes nothing away from the win because. Uh, you know, they played so many tight games last year, they lost them all. They played so many tight games this year until the last couple of weeks, they won them all. And now it's all evened out in the end, and that's what it is. And so, you, 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 in my opinion, and I know that some of you guys don't feel this way, but in my opinion, you still have to go for this thing. 
You still have to try and push for the postseason. The only way fans are going to come to these games next year is if they make the postseason this year. They have Later. Now, it's, there's no make or break ticket sales in August and September. They'd love for people to come for sure. But what they want is people to buy season tickets and they want people to commit to 2024 to be Marlins members and things like that. How do you do that? You do it in the offseason. You do it at the end of the year. You, you, you promote the fact that you made the postseason. So even if they play LA and they get whacked in three games in the, in the postseason, they got to go for it. They got to try. So I'm on that board. Another four or five games, I'll still be on that board. I think they got to try. Uh, I just think they have to take a step back now from maybe where they were two weeks ago and thinking like we'll just you know trade Jake Eater for a rental or something like that. Like I just those are the sort of things I don't think you can do anymore. But I still think they must be buyers. Uh, you know, barring another catastrophe in the next week, which would basically mean losing all the games. So we'll start there. So yeah, we'll we'll dive straight into it since you brought it up. Obviously, deadlines next week, things will be happening, and things are needed for the Marlins team to succeed. What do you think are probably about the top three specific needs that this team has heading into this deadline? Yeah, so many more now than I thought a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately. But I still am very skeptical. I, I know people say hitting, and I think that we'll get there. But I'm extremely skeptical that the starting five in their rotation right now will be able to finish the season at the end of the year. I, I'm skeptical. I don't think – I think Sandy will, but I, I am not – I mean, these are career innings for Lazardo and Cabrera. I'm very worried about Braxton Garrett. Very worried about Braxton Garrett right now. Um, Cueto, you know, sure, I guess. Uh, you know, Yuri will be back at some point. Am I missing somebody? I don't know. I think I feel like I am. But they, 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 I think they have to get a starting pitcher to start with. I think that's the first thing that they need to do is to save themselves. We don't have to use an opener anymore. We don't have to worry about Cueto coming back. We don't have to worry if Rodgers comes back or not. If Edward Cabrera goes down, we got a backup plan. Uh, the backup plan should not be a pitcher in the minor leagues. It should be a veteran that can still throw another 50, 60 innings the rest of the season. And I think that should be their first plan of attack. Uh, the second thing, and it's, it's the easier thing to do, and it wouldn't really require a lot, is they should get another bullpen arm for sure, somebody with some closing experience. Uh, the way that the Marlins won games in April and May is not going to be the same in, in August and September. It's impossible. Uh, Skip did a great job chasing every single win. I give him credit for that. The bullpen is destroyed. It's destroyed. It's too many games, too many innings, too many appearances. They're all going down one by one. It's an absolute mess right now. If today didn't show you that it's an absolute mess, then nothing will. Skip went back to 10 or Scott with 33 pitches the day before. He doesn't trust anybody in the bullpen. And I, can you blame him? There is no one. So it's super desperate there, too. And we can go through some names, but I do think that they have to try and acquire a relief pitcher to give them some help in the back end of the bullpen for sure. Uh, you know, maybe they'll try Sean Reynolds again or something like that. I can see that, but that's the second thing. And then, you know, clearly they do need some help on offense, but I just don't think outside of Otani or Soto or someone like that, which would be a dream, which would probably not happen, I don't know that there's a game-changing player that they're going to acquire on offense right now. 
that all of a sudden he's going to change these games from three to two to seven to two. I, I don't see it. So they may as well play to their strength at this point. And and, and you saw today a lot of what we see in the next two weeks because I, I don't think you're going to see the offense come back like you saw earlier in the year. And by the way, those games were again the White Sox, the A's, the Royals, the Nationals. Like that's they piled it on against those teams that were twelve and zero and scoring eight runs a game. Those days are gone. So I say play to the strength, starting pitching, bullpen arm, and if you can get somewhere to, to upgrade the offense a little bit, you do it. But I don't, I don't see a solution out right now of a player that they could acquire all of a sudden that's going to chase their runs per game to five and a half. I don't, I don't see that. Craig, um, how's it going? Um, so I, I feel like in years past, it's always been at least semi-obvious who the first or second guys in the farm are going to be on the chopping block when it comes to the deadline. Who are the guys this year? It seems like it's a little bit weaker than it's been in the past years. Who are the guys that you can see going first to other teams this year? Yeah, well, the most the most asked about players are Jake Eater for sure. I think he's definitely on a lot of radars for teams. They would, you know, he would really be somebody that teams would like to acquire. Uh, Carson Milbrandt is another name that's come up a lot, uh, a little bit further away from the big leagues, but going to a team that's still losing a hundred in a real and you can tell in a rebuild mode, like a Kansas City and Oakland or Washington, where it's still going to be years away. He's a perfect fit for for uh, another team. Uh, offensively, I don't think that there are a ton of names that are coveted uh, by other teams. Now, they could be up pieces in a deal. Uh, maybe Yeti Cafe could be a piece in a deal, uh, or uh, Nassim Nunez or Ian Lewis. You know, but, but none of these players are targets for other teams. It would kind of be where Miami would be asking about a, club, uh, a player, and then, the, and then the other team would come back and say, okay, well, how about A, B, C, D, E? Uh, Evan Fitterer obviously would be another name as well that you could throw in there. But it's been mostly pitching to this point. But that could change, you know, obviously as, as, uh, as time goes on. Unfortunately, they're not loaded in the minor leagues with, with hitters by any stretch. It's just not there. In the lower, I will say this, in the lower levels of the Dominican Summer League and things like that, uh, my understanding from what I was told, is that they have more people scouting the DSL Marlins than because of how talented they are down there. Maybe what you'll see is a couple of players who we're just really not aware of, but other teams are that they've scouted that they pick up in a trade. Hey, Craig, I do want to ask you, let's say Miami does end up just completely just, you know, losing almost every game left and maybe just winning one more. What's the likeliness that they kind of get rid of, I guess, the expiring contracts in this case, which would be Cooper and Wendell? And I guess if you want to go into Larry, but he saws the option, which unlikely he does. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, so, uh, look, so they play Tampa Bay twice and Detroit three times, and then they have to make a decision. I understand there's a game against Philadelphia, but their decision will be made by, I mean, let's, let's not be ridiculous. They'll, they'll know exactly what they're going to do after the Detroit series is over. So you're under the assumption that they go one and four in, in that spot, and if they are, 
I, I don't know. I don't think that they would trade the guys on expiring contracts because I still think they'll they'll feel like they are with, within striking distance of making the postseason. It may not be realistic at that point, and it just may be a complete collapse. But I, I don't see them moving those pieces. And uh, you know, I, I've I've heard some stuff recently that Solaire may want to stay here. So you know, it, it may come. To, it may be a, a situation at the end of the season where they hold on to him and they offer him the qualifying offer. And I was you know, wrong about this. I think Isaac was the one who brought this to my attention is that I, I did not think they could if he opted out, but they can offer him the, the qualifying offer, which is going to be about 18, 19 million next year and at least create a situation where he has to make that decision. If he chooses not to, and he gets fifty a fifty million dollar contract. The Marlins get a first round pick next year. I don't know that he'll get fifty, but I, I guess I mean, he not right now. He does not look like a guy that's going to get fifty. But who knows? Who knows what the next two months could be? So I think they end up holding these players. I, I, I don't think they end up shipping them off. But you know, I, 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 again, I haven't heard. I've heard only only buying at this point and no selling at all. So. Maybe that changes in the next few days, but I, I think that all the players you see now are still here unless they're traded to get something else. But my understanding from Kim is Kim would prefer to not take anything away from the 26 man and to only deal from the minor league system in order to get better. Yeah, hey, Craig, it's Eli. And that is interesting on Solaire. Somebody should have uh, mentioned to Bruce that he hasn't, paid more than 15 million in a year for any single player since he's been here. But if he's willing to push even further for Solaire next year, it'd be uncharted territory, but that is probably the best baseball move. And as you mentioned, even if he does leave, in fact, even if he gets less than 50 million, they still get a lower round compensation pick for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so either way it's yeah getting something. I, I, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but my guess is he plays the entire season with the Marlins. And then they offer him the qualifying offer at the end of the season. And he decides to get more than $20 million. Yeah, I probably guess he will. But then it comes down to him. What does he want to do? But I, I was actually you know, pleasantly surprised to hear how much he likes it here. And, and maybe would consider staying in the future. And so I've, I've changed my opinion a little bit on that. I think there's I think there's a chance that Solaire could return. But... Uh, you know, it's, you know, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, they they would be in a fight to to retain his services. Uh, you know, at that point. Um, but you know, Eli, the other thing that I would I would say is, you know, I mean, as far as Bruce Sherman is concerned, yes, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think in terms of AAV. There may not be any player that has signed here for fifteen million dollars a year. I'm, I'm not, no one is coming to mind. Uh, but. Basically, no free agent has worked out here in six years outside of the hall. So you're, you're you're speaking to somebody and asking them to do something, uh, you know, to, to you know bang their head against the wall year after year after year after year, and, and nothing works. Uh, you could play the other side and say, well, you know, better players are worth more money, and that's fair. But it still doesn't make it acceptable that in six years, Adam Duvall eventually is going to be the only good free agent that they've signed. Um, you have other teams are able to do more with less. And, and Miami's going to have to do more with less. That's just the fact. Yeah. And I also wanted to check in on your guy, Max Meyer. I know you left the door open a little bit earlier this year that he could maybe make it back 
to the big leagues by the end of this year. Do you think that is still a possibility? You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, you know, I, Max is he's a different kind of cat, man. Max, he's, uh, I yell at him a lot when I see him in person because I'm like, you know, he's like a, he's one of those people that you text and you're back like five days later or six days later. Like, you know, I, I mean, and he's like, it's not, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm just, yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I, I'm trying to get a better idea on that. I know, well, I know that he would like to pitch the season. He thinks he can pitch the season. I don't think he's going to pitch the season, but it would be nice if he would respond to me so I could really get the season. <laughs> so if somebody would tell him, please text me back so we can talk a little bit, that would be great. It's been, a, it's been too long already now. I'm getting mad at you back. So uh, get back to me. Speaking of taxes, is he still one of the teams I've inquired about on the trade market, even though yeah, he is obviously yeah. shelf? Yeah. All right, so that will probably do it from us here on, on Fish on Person. If you guys have any questions, last call. I'll, I'll save mine just because I feel like a lot of these will get answered. I want to open it to you guys. This is why we do this um, every Sunday night. For those who are new listeners, we do this at the same time every Sunday night. But I want to open up to you guys to ask Craig questions. So it's probably it's I, I have to have one more. Super subscriber priority. Anyone can request to speak in these spaces, but if you are. Uh, super subscriber, you get priority. Usually, I um, I do the, the sorting out of who to bring in, who not to. So Eli is going to do that instead, and uh, we'll do questions for any of us. If you have an open-ended question, just for any of us to answer, or Craig about the deadline, anything Marlins really. At the end of the day, we're all baseball fans, so we'll do that. It looks like first we've got Devin coming in here, um, then they get his question. We'll bring in everyone one by one, and. Um, Again, super subscribers, you are guaranteed to get it. Uh, speak priority at some point during this. And if you aren't one yet, it's a bare minimum $3 a month on our website. Um, I'll find the link here and put it up at the top of the space. We've got Devin connecting. Uh, but, before, uh, before you get... Might not be... Uh, let me, can I ask a quick question? Have connection, Eli. I might have to sure. someone else in. Um, Craig, what are the, the front office thoughts on, on Jacob Aaron I just said and I how he's progressed over this, this year? That was a super subscriber. We'll, we'll go Ryan. <laughs> I'm hearing two people talk at once. I'm sorry. Yeah, Grant, Grant, we're, we're all good. I think you're uh, – We're good? Yeah. Yeah. We were uh, – Daniel I was saying something. That bad, that, that might be. <laughs> yeah, I think you cut off Daniel, then he might, disappeared. Might be a problem. No, Daniel disappeared. I don't even see him anymore. That is wild. Yeah, it made him a non-speaker, so I can add him back, and I can add Devin back. Am I back? back. Am I back? Yes. He's back. Now I can hear him. Okay, okay. I wanted to ask Craig I don't know what happened. Um, about Jacob Barry and, and the front office thoughts on, on Barry over the last year. And has, has he fallen to a point where he could be traded to deadline or upcoming deadlines? I don't know why they trade him. Yeah, I, just look at, well, I mean, maybe not at the lowest point, but a pretty low point. You know, the pick does not look good at this point. Uh, no getting around that. So, uh, you know, he's, it's just, you know, sometimes you make good picks. Sometimes, you know, this one does not look like a great pick, but still has a long career ahead of him and a long way to go. Uh, you know, the Marlins have a very big development problem right now. They're just still not developing hitters at the minor league levels. And, you know, they, they got to really figure out how, like other teams do in Houston, Baltimore. And, um, you know, it's no, no indictment on what's going on now here, but, just the facts are the facts. You know, guys are outside of Dave Myers who came up the 
it was like the first prospect in years to come up and actually hit, and now it looks like they've got him completely figured out. Probably has to go back to the minors, unfortunately. Um, they just they haven't developed anything as far as hitters are concerned. So who am I to say? I don't know what uh, Barry even is, and I don't know that we ever will know. Hi, well, I'm surprised no one else has asked this yet, Craig. But you know, they, it's been a few weeks now since your Perez. Jerry Perez. That was, you know, I went on Channel 7 tonight. I'm going to be on there. That was, like, the big topic. So I'll be yeah. watch that tonight on Channel 7. Excellent. <laughs> you want to say something? Can you give us a little teaser about that? No, just because I'm curious because you're no, setting yourself no. on it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So it's very, very, well, it's not complicated. But so, you know, there was always, there was, okay, so Jerry Perez was never start the season in the big leagues. That's, that just was a fact. And he was not supposed to come up in May either. But because of all the things that happened, they ended up bringing him up. Now, is that, is that that's what that's what they've said. Is, is that uh, fair to, to any fan to say that? Nah, that's a bunch of garbage. The Dodgers have had five, all five guys there, guys hurt. I mean, anybody who's sitting with me right now, pull up your phone, pull up, pull up, baseball reference. Take a look at what Cleveland did. Cleveland's got three rookies in their rotation right now, and they're still in it, okay? So, it happens. It happens all around the league. You can't use that as an excuse. It's, it's just nonsense. If, if you need a guy to come up because he's great and you want to pitch him, sure. But you can never expect to have your pitchers healthy the whole season. It doesn't exist. And anything else is an excuse. So, they called up Yuri. He was great. At some point, they had to make a decision on what to do with him. They thought they were going to you know, stop him or send him down several times, which is why I look so silly reporting the whole thing, because I'm told, oh, this is it, last start. This is it, last start. And so I thought that start in Atlanta was it. Like, I just did not think, after he got blasted, I just thought, okay, all right, this is perfect. You know, like, it makes sense. We're going to send him down. He's going to work on things, you know, give the whole, you know, excuse. Yeah, sure, whatever. And then we'll bring him back later in the season. But then he pitched against, I think it was St. Louis, and he did so well. And then the timing of it was just so odd that, like, right after he was so great, it's like, we're going to send him, uh, you know, to the minors. And so, you know, the explanation that was sort of given was very fair at the time. And, and I think Kim said this publicly, I'm pretty sure, which which is that she didn't want to put the big league team in a position to have to have a hole in the rotation and have to use, you know, openers and things like that. And I thought I thought that was a very astute and fair assessment by her. And then immediately after the break, they started an opener. And so then I'm like, wait a second here. If that's the case, then that doesn't, you know, that doesn't fly for me because you could have kept Yuri in the big leagues and he could have pitched one inning or two innings, just like Stephen Ogert. And better yet, uh, you know, uh, it was very clear that Johnny Cueto was not going to be in the rotation. I mean, I was told that a million times. And then he, I mean, I, I know he pitched great. I understand that. But... Like, that was not a plan either. So it just, it seems to me very much flying by the seat of the pants type thing is happening here. And it, it, there are people that feel that it's not a coincidence that from the point that he went down, the mojo has changed. I've, I've heard this. It's a thing. So what what is coming? Um, we're going to have to see. I, I don't think the story is gone. I think there's going to be more coming, and he, he. I think he could come back at some point in early August. 
And I guess we're just going to have to wait and see when they decide to pull the trigger on bringing him back. But I, I totally agreed with everything that was done until I saw it done. And then I, I just was started to wonder, like, wait a second here. Like, if, if the plan is to not use an opener and then you're using an opener, so what are we doing here? And on top of it, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Yuri threw a, a, a single pitch for several days after they optioned him. It's not like he went down and was throwing. He was not. He just was stopped completely. So very strange this whole entire situation, uh, but but I think I think the Marlins have a chance to make this right by calling them back up over the next couple of weeks. And just you know, get get to those innings limits and then uh, and then and then stop them. There's people also who say I'm um, ridiculous for saying that. What difference would he have made if he was up? It wouldn't have stopped the fact that they would have lost eight games in a row. I I, I don't agree with that. I, I think he could have started a game and opened the game that Oker ended up doing. By the way, I'm a fan of Oker, and I thought that was a good idea to use him, and it did work out. But uh, he can help the team, Yuri Perez, in some way. You can you can have him on the team and pitch every five days, either opening him up or use him as a bulk guy for two innings at a time and just make sure that he gets his innings and keep him around and keep him active for the rest of the season. Uh, so I've I've actually flipped my opinion on it. At first, I thought it was a, it was totally acceptable and a great idea. Now that I've seen it play out, I, I don't love the way that it played out. All right, hopefully I'm not talking over anyone this time. I don't know what happened there. Apologies to Daniel, but Alex Carver, fish on the farm. He's got his hand up. Uh, we'll do that question then. We'll, we'll finally get to Devin and, and Ryan. I apologize again. Oh, I guess it's my turn. Okay. Uh, hello, Mr. Mish. How are you tonight? Good. How you been? I don't hear from you that much anymore. Uh, I'm around, man. Uh, What's I'm going on? Monteverde cards are gone down in value. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on with that. But uh, you're Sean Reynolds. You're Sean Reynolds. PSA nine. Listen, that guy needs to pitch in the big leagues. So we're we're going to leave that as it is. Uh, Eli will agree with me. Anyways, um, yeah. Uh, girlfriend's going to Chicago tomorrow. By the way, I'm sure you know why. But oh, yeah. For the, yeah, for the national. Well, yes, you sir. know, on the way back, pick me up some more uh, of those GRR Encarnacions. <laughs> I have plenty. I can give you. I can give you as many as they're you going want. up. They're very they're very hot right now. I, I can give you as many as you want. Color, number, whatever you want. I got, I got I get to Brian Miller. Yeah, I got oh, Brian, Brian Miller. Miller. I, I got him. Yeah, he has a few of them, yeah. No, he doesn't really show me those. I don't think you want to see those. Anyways, um, yeah, uh, since, since Isaac stole my question about Perez, um, I could just ask, from what you were just saying before about uh, Yuri, um, he hasn't pitched in the minor leagues since they said I know. So what what is what is the direction like? What what are they doing with this guy? Are they is he just done for the year? Do you think they would call him back up? Like you said that he, they would, they would call him back up without pitching a minor league inning. Like I don't know what's the route. What's what's the best route? It's very confusing. The whole thing, you know, this plan that they have him on is, is bizarre. Uh, it, it, it doesn't speak to pitching. It speaks to more like stopping and building back up. I, you know, that's not initially what was said. It was that going to keep pitching it hasn't happened i know he's thrown bullpens that's for sure i'm positive about that uh all, all, all i look I, I don't know uh, right I, there's 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 just not much further i can go on this but i would tell you that we just got to wait wait a little bit and see over the next couple days i i would tell you this in the next couple of days i think we'll have more of an idea as to what the plan is and what could potentially happen there's just not much more i can say on, on it right now, okay. but believe me, I'm on. I am on the story, and you know, 
I mean, I don't think people realize how much time I put into this. I mean, that's why, that's honestly why, like, I, I, I've got to sit down with Eli one day and find out how all this is going, you know, to get the super subscribers and all that. Because it's like, if I put the, the, the amount of man hours that I put into this, as opposed to what the payout is financially on it, it just does not add up. But uh, that just shows you how much I love doing this, I guess. But uh, anyway, going back to what you were saying, Alex, I'm going to just say let's let's – Everything I've said is all I can say in the moment, but I would guess in the next few days there will be more to it. How about that? No, that's fine. No, I got you. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll be tuning in to your coverage as well. And, yes, do the Super Subscriber thing because you like I don't money. know. I thought, I've thought about it. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. And then, then I'm obligated to do stuff. And, I, you know, I have so much going on with my, no, I got with you. my life. You know? yeah. No, I got you. I have one other thing, and then I'm done. We'll bring in the fans. Devin, I know, is waiting to talk. Um, but I have one other thing. and Maybe it was already asked before I got here, but um, the draft picks, um, you know, right. and, and how this went for them. Um, they get, uh, they get, jeez, uh, what is his name, Meyer, um, at, a, at a barely over-slot deal. They got a couple of guys at under-slot deals. I was kind of surprised at how low White went. How do you think, in your estimation, how do you think that they did with the spending that they did with the draft, how do you think DJ did in, in terms of now from from past years? How do you think they did here? Yeah, I mean, I can only I can only go off who they wanted to pick and who they picked, and there's it's a lot to unpack with this stuff, and, and this is not my strong suit. So what what I what I can tell you is it was it was between uh, Noble Meyer and maybe one other player that came off the board, I believe, right before they picked, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that's how the that's how Noble Meyer went down, and they got to work that out. And then they were shuffling between several other options as it pertained to uh, Thomas White and Kemp Alderman. Um, beyond that, I really I, I, I think there were just picks. I don't think there's a lot to to dissect. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, White uh, White was their best player on the board when they came around uh, back to pick uh, with the second round. Like, I mean, just did not think that he was going to be there. And all of the other players, they, they did like better players, I think, than uh, or they wanted somebody different outside of White. But by the time they got to that, they, they had him ranked higher than anybody else that was left. So it just made it very easy for them uh, to take White. But the hard part, obviously, was they had to go under slot with, uh, some others in order to secure white, if that made sense. And I do, and I do, I do, I am familiar with some of the names, but I don't have it pulled up in front of me, and I don't sit there and take notes on this stuff. But uh, at some point, I guess I could do that if somebody wants to do that. Gotcha. What was the other name, Jacob Wilson? Is that a first round? Yeah, I think so. I think that was it. Yeah, I think that was the decision between Jacob Wilson and and Noble Meyer. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Well, yeah, from our opinion, so we're finish on first, we were, were very fortunate that Jacob Wilson was taken before Miami got to him, So Right, I, and I don't know that they would have taken Wilson. They may have taken Noble Meyer, but it was just like when a guy is off the board, what do you say at that point? That's it. So right. but I think I think he was in there, and there was another name too, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Again, this is not my strong suit of the draft stuff. Yeah. So, so with people that are involved in the draft, uh, you know, like Kim and, um, and DJ Spillick, and, um, you know, and Dan Greenlee and, and Nazo Campo, like, I mean, uh, I think everybody was really very heavily involved this year. 
in the draft, I, I kind of got to go just like strictly off opinions and, you know, cause they see the players and, and I, I'm just guessing, um, you know, if they're going to be good or not, but it, it look, the reviews are very good around the league. And when the reviews are good, I think that that's, that there's something to be said for that. So we'll, we'll see what it looks like in the future, but this guy, Kemp Alderman, like they just haven't had anybody in the organization like this guy in a while, like this guy's legs. I, I don't know if you guys saw this, it's like a monster guy. Really big guy. I don't know what I don't know what's going to be with him. Uh, yeah, huge. to me it's yeah. a, it's a it's a. I know a couple of us saw him hit BP the other day. There's videos of it and everything from the fish on first guy. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah, you were there too. I mean, he looks like uh, to me. I mean, just like first glances, like no scouting or anything, but just like first glances looks like larger Peyton Burdick. But I don't know, let's see what he does, man. I don't know. Um. Anyways, I'll shut up and let somebody else go ahead. I know we got other speakers, but appreciate you, Craig. Thanks for doing this. Um, okay, no problem. All right, I'm going to keep it dead and wait too long. So that's, it's pretty much my fault for that one. I brought him in. I kind of teased him a little bit. So we're, we're going Devin now. We're going to let him get his question done. We'll, we'll go Ryan here. Hey, guys. Um, I actually got two, if I could. Um, specifically, I want to start with uh, with our friend Garrett Cooper. What's going on with him, man? He's got uh, a lot of random like little illnesses. Have you ever heard of a player that's had like such weird – inconsistencies with his playing time yes so uh, okay so this is this is so strange um so coop has been sick now this is the third time i think this year um you know he had fever and chills and you know all the symptoms of just being super sick uh today and uh, i think if i'm not mistaken skip mentioned that uh, maybe Luis Arias uh, was also not feeling. I, I, I don't want to be wrong on that. Maybe I am. I'm not sure. I thought he said that after the game. Uh, and he's not the only one, too. I think there are a bunch of guys that are sick right now in the clubhouse, and I don't know I, I don't know what it is or what's happening, but I've heard that. So I guess we'll just have to monitor it. But as far as Coop is concerned, yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, this has kind of been the story for Coop since he's been here, is he's had just some really some really uh, bad luck, you know, and um, look, I, I, I'm very uh, partial to Garrett Cooper. I, I think probably most people know that by now. I'm just a big, a big fan of him as a player and a person, um, you know, his family. I just, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Cooper fan. So it, it hurts me to see all this stuff happening. And I personally think, yes, there, ha- there is something to the effect that, he has been hurt more than other people, but I would also tell you that if you go back and you look at all the things that have happened to him since he's been here, there's a tremendous amount of bad luck that has happened with these injuries. They, they really are, and, and I've got my, my mental list of them, of the things that have happened, but he, he at one point he had an inner ear infection that was undiagnosed, which is why he was like just swinging at everything, and the strikeout rate this year is way up, and all of a sudden they got that fixed, he stopped striking out. Uh, you know, it was kind of like a vertigo type thing. And then, yeah, I, 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 did, uh, I did not know that Cooper was sick today. I had no idea. Usually I know these things. I had absolutely no clue until the game started. And then I got a text, like, hey, Cooper's out. You know what's happening. I'm like, ah, I got no idea the game's going on. So what am, I mean, there's nothing I'm going to find out. But since then, I have come to find out that, yeah, he's, he's, he's going through it. He's sick. Um, but he's not the only one. I think there are 
are other guys in the clubhouse that are sick. So I guess we're going to have to see what happens with this Tampa series uh, coming up. But I, I have not heard the word COVID once, so I don't even want to intimate that. Uh, somebody else asked me that, but I, I haven't heard that. So um, I don't know if that answers the question for you on Cooper. He'll be a free agent at the end of the season. Um, I, I do not expect Eric Cooper to be with the Marlins next year. Yeah, I would like him. I would like him to be, but I, I do not expect it. Just being honest. Yeah, I kind of expect that. Appreciate that. Um, my last little one that I have here. Um, it's just, do you really think the Marlins have the, you know, depth to go out and upgrade the offense, the bull, the bullpen, and the rotation? They can't do all three, can they? Uh, no, I think they could. The asks on these players right now is so astronomically high that they would just be trading Max Meyer and Jake Eater and Nassim Nunez like, and, and getting rentals for the rest of the year. So they could do it, but it would be sacrificing it a lot for next year. And if they were still 14 games over 500 and they were number one in the wild card spot, I, I would tinker with the idea of maybe doing it. But now that now that they've fallen back quite a bit, and I think I think it was uh, they have I don't know if people are familiar, but they have a media relations uh, person. Her name is uh, Golly Sharoni. We were talking about this on the you know the other field, and, I, and she was you know we just talking. What do you think they're going? What do you think they should do? And I'm like, ah, I got to go for it because you got to play these home games. And then she reminded me that if you're the third wild card, you don't get any home games. Like, what do you mean? Like, no, you, you, you go play on the road against the other team. Like, wait a second here. Well, that's no good. <laughs> like, the whole point of this was to get the fans back for a home playoff game. So if that if that's not within grasp, uh, I think you've got to change the approach a little bit based on what they've played. So to answer your question, I think they can accomplish all of those things because the Marlins are willing to take on some money. I know that for sure. They're willing to trade some prospects. I know that for sure. But given what we've seen since the All-Star break, even today in their win, it's like you look at them and say, best case scenario is probably the third wild card or, or the second wild card. But it's, it's, it's sort of dicey based on some of the things that we've seen, I think, unfortunately. So hopefully that answers your question. I do think they're willing to trade future pieces for this year. I do. You mentioned you mentioned Nassim. Um, is that a name that they're? No, no, no. Like, I just threw his name. I just threw his name. Okay, I, just I, threw, I, okay, I, I, I got it. Give me a name. Give me a name. I don't even have anyone, so I threw his name because yeah. he's good and he was in the it's future fair. game. But yeah, no. The, the Jake Eater is a name, and uh, Max Meyer is a name. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're shopping these players. I'm saying this is who they're asking for. Okay. You want a re- you want our reliever? Well, you got to give us Jake Eater. What? Are you nuts? Like that's yeah. it. You know, Jake Eater, Max Meyer. Uh, uh, Millbrandt, that's definitely another one. Yeah. Uh, Fitterer is another one. That's four. I'm, I'm probably missing. Take a minute. You get in there? Who? Uh, Miller? No, I mean, maybe. I, I haven't heard Jacob that. Jacob Miller, yeah. Victor Mesa Jr. would be in it. Anyway, Victor, yeah. very, I've heard a lot of teams are very interested in Victor Victor Mesa uh, <laughs> to be a tour guide in the Bahamas with the pig. Yeah, I've heard yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's good down there. Yeah, that's for sure. Yes, he's excellent at that. Are you? Is that, is that just a terrible? That's that's terrible. Yeah, it is so terrible. I just stole money, huh? And then he's just so bra- like brash, like posting on Instagram, like uh, I don't, whatever. I, I don't. On Five Twitter too. Dollars. 
He's spending that money well on his boat in the Bahamas, man. Like that's all you can say, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I gotta, I gotta find out how that deal got done. All right, we'll go Ryan next if he's there. Devin, you got anything else? No, thanks, guys, for the time, and thanks, Craig, for tweeting in Spanish today. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We got it done, right? You know, when desperation happens, you got to call on me to get it to get it uh, to get it done. So we got it done. Ryan, the floor is yours, my man. It's all you. All right, what's up, guys? Hope everyone's doing well. And I just I just wanted to ask, um, not just Craig, but everyone here, because I want to hear multiple opinions. Um, do you guys think that maybe Skip Schumacher will give Tanner Scott the chance to? close some more games um, within the next month, kind of maybe um, split opportunities between Puck and Scott, or just what do you guys think he will do with our closer? Because Puck has not been very sharp in his last 10 games. He's given up more earned runs than uh, innings pitched in his past few outings. It's been really bad, and I, I definitely want to see Tanner Scott get another chance at closing games because his, uh, his command is a lot different this year and a lot better this year than it was last year when he got that closer opportunity and he didn't do too well. So what do you guys think about that? Well, I, I would say, Ryan, first of all, thanks for the question and thanks for jumping in. I I, I don't agree with you, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I still think Puck gives them the best chance in the ninth inning to get outs. Tanner Scott, I understand he's pitched very well this year, but he's also not pitching the ninth inning. And I saw a completely different pitcher this year than last year, and I don't think it's a coincidence that it was because he was not pitching the ninth inning, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. that. I mean, maybe maybe Skip will do it. Maybe he will do it. I don't don't know if he will or not. Uh, For me, the issue with Puck is, is the issue that, in my opinion, my humble opinion, should have been recognized at the beginning of the season, which was you're going to burn this guy out by using him in back-to-back games over and over again. Um, I talked with some of you about this uh, privately, but Oakland was very cognizant once they moved him to reliever about using him in back-to-back days because they felt that his recovery time was slower than some other players, which doesn't take anything away from the talent of a player. But if you look at how many times he's been used back-to-back this year versus the time uh, that the season that he spent last year in Oakland, he's far exceeded already the amount of usage that he's had in that back-to-back spot. Now, the, the, the uh, converse of that is that he was used back-to-back in April and May, and he was fantastic. And you would say, well, who cares? Like, Craig, you're totally wrong. Like, he was amazing um, in both, in all back-to-back appearances. And that's true. But I think now what you're seeing is the residual effect of that, which is, one, he went on the injured list with a dead arm. And two, he, he no longer, he's, he's making some, you know, unfortunately, so he's missing some really bad spots in his pitches. So, Ryan, I think their answer to closer is not on the team right now. And, and I think that they have to try and find someone that is out there to at least help Puck in the ninth inning. To uh, Puck can pitch one game and get a save, and I think Skip's got to go to somebody else on that back-to-back day and use Puck and, and wait another day to use him. I, I, I think it's a mistake, and, and it's playing out that way. While, while you're while you're on the topic of the bullpen, Craig, and uh, Ryan, that was a great question, but yeah, I, I think I, 
probably going to be Buck, and then who knows what happens if you. Oh, you guys could all dive into the same thing that I dove into, by the way, on this, and take a look at. No, no, no. I got you. Take take a look at how many times they used them back to back last year versus how many times the Marlins used this year, and look at what happened. And And he has one pitch. Like Tanner Scott has one pitch. He has a slider, and that's it. I mean, yes, he can throw ninety nine, but sometimes doesn't know where it's going. Yeah. And the other thing that I'd like to say, and the other thing that I'd like to say. Yeah, we still got you. Yeah, we got you. You're back. The one thing that I'd like to say about Tanner Scott is is that you hear a lot, oh my gosh, Tanner Scott, he has experience in the role. He saved 20 games last season. We keep hearing this. I'm sure you guys have heard it, and girls, over and over and over again. Tanner Scott saved 20 games. He blew a million. He only was the closer from May on last year. If you extrapolate his blown saves from the time that he started as closer last year, he would have led baseball by far. So just because the guy played in a million one-run games and saved 65% of them doesn't mean that he's a closer. It, It means that he didn't do well in the role. Now, Scott has been their best relief pitcher this year from start to finish. Yes, that is true. But... I, I just don't think that you could go into this thinking that he could close games for them in all, in, against these amazing teams in August and September. I don't think so. Keep Continue to use him how you're using him in the packets that you're using him. Why change that at all? What, what they should be doing is getting somebody from outside the organization to help Puck close games. Puck pitches one day, gets the save. Marlins are in another one-run game the next day. No problem. Go to somebody else. Stop using puck over and over again. It's not going to work. You, you mentioned somebody else. So my last question on the bullpen is George Soriano. And I know Kevin Brawl will like this question. This guy's been fantastic. I mean, he's mopped up several starts. He's come in and thrown several scoreless innings. Does this guy, I think he has uh, late relief stuff. Does this guy get a look maybe in that position? Or what do you think? I, haven't, I haven't heard that, but maybe so. I mean, skip, uh, look, at this point, you got to, you got to, I mean, Skip publicly is not going to throw Puck under the bus. So, right. But, but, but he's got to consider somebody else. That's it. I, maybe it's Soriano. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. But, 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 but the other, in fairness to Skip, in fairness to Skip, in May, if I, if we, if I said to you in three months from now, we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a space. And we're going to be talking about guys that are saving games for the Marlins. And I told you back in May, one guy who's never going to get that chance, Dylan Floro, you got everyone will be throwing tomatoes at me. Like, what are you talking about? This guy's the best reliever that they have. And look what happened. So it's just the dynamic of, of a long season with a bullpen. They have they need new arms in the bullpen. They need at least one from some some other team to, to help them out. It's got to happen. We just saw two pretty good late inning relievers with Colorado. Has there been any, you know, talking between those two teams? I know Daniel Bard looked really good, and uh, Lawrence also. Looked I, good. I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard those names come up. Okay, no one from Colorado, not even Ryan McMahon, any left-handed bat. No. I, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard a single player on the Rockies come up except for wow. Diaz, and that was, you know, and, and I, and I think that that Miami is sort of resigned to the fact that whatever catching. 
moves that they're going to make is going to probably have to come at the offseason. I, I think just their catching situation is what it is the rest of the year. Chase. All right. All right, Ryan, you got anything else? Sorry, Mr. Alex cuts you off there. Hey, you got anything else for me? I think we got Marcelo um, in here. Yeah, real quickly, I wanted to just ask. Um, my dad wanted me to ask this, actually. And, um, well, then, then that's good. I, and he's a super subscriber, so I think it counts. Well, but, he can ask two questions. <laughs> yeah, but my dad wants to know um, what's the latest timeline on Jazz Chisholm because he seems a little confused, and I, I know we all want him to come back. Who, who's confused? Well, my daddy. He doesn't know what, when he's going to come back. He, he wants oh. to come back. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, uh, he has an oblique injury. He's he's got to get over that, and then and then he'll come back. I mean, I I, I don't. Does anybody have him? Maybe maybe some. Uh, I mean, I don't know. No, I know he's, he's in this listening. Maybe he got an update well, on something. Like that. There yeah. is Jazz spoke to Marlins members today at a special event at the park, and he said he wants to get back by Friday for the Tiger series. He does have a history of over-promising when he is going to return to what it generally. That kind of thing. To give Ryan my best estimate, just based on following these rehab things and how they go, he hasn't started, I don't think he started swinging a bat yet, so he needs to do that. Is that right? And then yeah. it depends how quick the rehab assignment is. Uh, I imagine if he does go on a rehab assignment, it would be very quick, only a couple of games. I think the best case scenario is you know, right around the trade deadline, maybe right during that Philly series or right afterwards. I think he is right. getting close, but there's still several steps away. And, 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 I, and Jazz is my guy, man. Like, I really like Jazz. Um, very receptive to understands how media work. He's been very, extremely helpful to me. Um, you know, last year when there was a lot of discourse going on, I was able to talk to him about just his feelings about, I mean, he is, he, I, I really like this guy. Like, I really do. Uh, but you know, if, if, if there are, if there are nine things out of 10 that jazz is amazing at, and, and you said to me, well, give me the one that he's not, it's, it's his own injuries. He's horrendous at it. He is absolutely the worst. He, he does not, he does not understand the injuries and how, and how things work. Remember he had the turf toe. He said he'd be back the next day. Right. Didn't he say that after? Yeah. And then he ended up doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Look. yeah, so, yeah so he had, you, you can't, you just, you, with jazz. It's like he always tell like he used to tell me last year. I, you know, they, I don't know if you guys remember. Remember last year when Donnie had him batting? Uh, what was it at the end of the lineup and sitting against lefties and stuff? Remember all that? Yeah, he was batting ninth at the beginning of the season. Right, and then, uh, and, then I, and then I would ask him like, "Hey, what's going on here?" And he would always tell me, "Just enjoy the ride, fish. Enjoy the ride." I'm like, okay. "All right, fair enough. I'll just just go with it." I'm like, "Okay, I'll go with it. Sure, no problem." Yeah, yeah, it's you're right. I mean, uh, when it comes to diagnosing his own injuries, he's uh, he's been a little bit off in his uh, in his return. You know, the guy wants to play. Of course, he wants to play. The guys, yeah, the they miss him a lot. That's yeah, of course, a massive, a massive. Yeah. Lost right now to the lineup for sure, and, and not only that, but Dane Myers is like, I mean, oh, I mean boy, Dane's just 
when he looked so good when he came up, I was like sold. And now it's like, oh my gosh, like it looks like. Uh, yeah, he's adjusting back. Yeah, you got to adjust back. I mean, he looked good when he first came up. But the, the good thing about Dan is that he has positional flexibility to other areas of the team. Yeah, he practiced at third, third base. base. I don't know if that yeah. was important at all, but he practiced today at third. Let's go. That's what you want to see. You, you want to see, like, the, the guy's not a center fielder. He's not going to be a center fielder. He can do it in the corner outfield, but he told me and Kevin Burrell he's most comfortable at third and first base, and that that's his long-term role. I mean, he, he's a third baseman, first well, baseman, that's what he can do. I, I agree. Look, Jazz told me he was coming back and he was going to be a catcher, so we'll just keep an eye on that. When he yeah. Back yeah, okay. All right, thanks, guys, for letting me speak and ask you guys a question. And as always, um, everyone listening, go become a super subscriber to Fish on First. Cause there you, you go, Ryan. You get a lot of great perks, and I, I really appreciate all the work that everyone does over at Fish on First and everything you do, Craig, for uh, reporting for the Marlins and writing for Miami Earth. You got it, Ryan. Be well, man. Say hi to your dad. Real quick, Noah's got a jazz update, he says. I'll, uh, I'll let him get the floor. So it's not really an update. It's more of a just what everyone said. Yeah, he keeps saying he'll be back tomorrow. He's not going to be back for a bit. Everybody relax. He hasn't even started swinging yet. He's barely taking any any reps or anywhere. He's, it, everyone needs to just relax. He needs to do a rehab a, assignment. He needs it, It's not going to be for another maybe week or two. Um, and also just going back uh, on the puck situation, Skip is pretty much that Puck is the guy, um, even though Puck's pretty much going to run out of gas at some point. Um, and, yeah, that's just pretty much what's been going on. But, but with Jazz, everyone just needs to just chill. He's not going to be back for a bit. He, he needs yeah. to do a rehab assignment. And Once you see him go to a rehab assignment, then you can start talking about Jazz coming back. Yeah, I, I, and, by, and again, I want to reiterate, Noah, I, I think – uh, Puck can still be the closer of the Marlins. I just think that if if he closes the game on a Tuesday and they play on a Wednesday, they should consider using somebody else. Right on on that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's and that's all. Just just to keep this guy fresh for the rest of the season. Uh, Skip has done what Donnie never did. Um, no disrespect to Donnie, but in games they were down three nothing. You know, it was like all right. You know, let's you know, let's let's uh, throw in Dazawa. You know, or whatever. You know, like but but in this case. <laughs> He fights it for every game, for every win. It's quite refreshing to see. But those wins in April and May are catching up to them now because of the usage, in my opinion. And I had listened. Somebody could be listening to this and say, oh, Craig Fisher doesn't know what he's talking about. He's on the outside, whatever. I could be totally wrong. I'm no expert in the subject. But all I know is what I see. And I don't think it's just like a coincidence that AJ Buck can't get anybody out in July coming off having a dead arm too. like, I mean, Oh, just a shocking coincidence that this is the case. I don't think so. I think there's something to it. And and I think Puck could be uh, like the, one of the best left-handed closers in baseball. But I think you got to just limit him a little bit. That's all. Like, you just cannot pitch this dude every day. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, they need, they need help from, from somebody else. And like, like Noah was saying, uh, oblique is like one of the trickiest injuries to deal with. Not that I'm a doctor, but it's oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, I'm sure everybody has better questions. Let's talk about something else. What's yeah, name? true. All right, let's go on. Go ahead, Grant. All right, Mar- Marcelo is next. He's been waiting patiently. Uh, Marcelo, super subscriber. You've got the floor, man. What, what have we got tonight? Hey, Craig, I have just uh, one question and a statement. So my question is, you, you told us what you thought they, they should get, which is a bullpen arm, a starter, and the bat, but do you know 
what their priority actually is, what have they communicated towards you and and the rest of the media? Do they want, like, where are they going to spend most prospect capital? Is it in a bullpen arm, closer, or starter? And if you can name names, that would be awesome. That's the hard Uh, part, right? Yeah. And second, the statement is, I'm going to try to be clear here. Tienes que seguir tweeteando en español hasta que perdamos. No lo puedes cambiar. We have Daniel Alvarez in here. He, he said to continue tweeting in Spanish until they lose. Gotcha. Well, listen, it's some of those tweets, I got to be honest with you, come with help from Daniel Alvarez. Okay? I'm just going to be honest. Those are not all fully constructed by me. Uh, whenever the Marlins lose a lot, I feel like I got to step in and stop the losing streak. And here I did it again. I did it again. So, if they, you know, that's it, though, probably for the season. I got to be honest. Uh, I, you know, it's, you, you don't get a lot of mulligans with me to do stuff like that, but after losing eight in a row, it had to be done, and I stopped the losing streak today. I almost blew it in the ninth inning with AJ Puck, but yes, it was all me. No, I'm just kidding, but anyway. I feel, I feel like I deserve some credit for a Donuts to the Press Box undefeated. Undefeated when, when I bring Donuts to the Press Box. All right, well, no, you can feel that way. It's probably can I start paying up, Noah, then? Yeah, as far as, as far as names are concerned, we're still in the same situation that we were a couple of weeks ago, which is 20 to 22 teams still feel like they're in it and buying. We now are seeing, like, the Mets' possibility of selling. Uh, I think now the Cardinals probably have, you know, even though the Cardinals had that nice little run, I think they have to be realistic with that. But it's, it's still a situation where everybody still feels like they are in it. So... It's really hard for me to name names when, uh, you know, there really are not names to name. Like, I, there, there isn't somebody, there isn't a player right now that they're like very close to acquiring. Uh, you know, I know that there are like pitchers out. I'll give you an example. There, you know, Lance Lynn is the name of a pitcher who is out there. He's, you know, the White Sox are, are going to trade Lance Lynn, in my opinion. Um, he does, he does not, you know, move, you know, the needle so much as he would have in the past. Uh, you know, he still owed a lot of money for the rest of the year. He's had a miserable season with the White Sox. But if, if if the Marlins were to get Lance Lynn and you closed your eyes and said, what would six starts from Lance Lynn look like? It would look like he would make every start. He'd pitch five, six innings. He'd give up three runs. And and, and no one would be excited about that at the trade deadline. But that's it could be the kind of move that they make. I, I, and again, I they're not tro- they're not close to a trade with him. But, like, that's the kind of guy that is out there, expiring uh, contract-type player that I think that there would be a possibility in. So that's uh, one name, I guess, to, to at least talk about. And what position do you think they're going to spend the most? I think, they're gonna, I, think pitcher, I think they're going to get a pitcher. I think they're Starter? Get a pitcher. Yes. Okay, thanks, Greg. All right, thank you, Marcelo. We've got the other Danny Rodriguez in here for for his question. Um, he's got the the, the better one. Hey, the other one isn't here to fight okay. back. <laughs> hey, hey, Craig. Uh, real quick, I'm wondering just if if there's a certain reason. I mean, I'm sure the Marlins knew that they were kind of running on a little bit of luck in the first half. Was there a reason they didn't try and pounce and take advantage of that? and not make a trade, let's say, two, three weeks before the deadline. Now I know it's a week before the deadline, so you kind of know where you're at anyways. But 
especially with how tight the wildcard race is, I feel like having like a Candelaria on the team an extra two weeks would make a huge difference. And right. if there was if there was a reason that they decided not to be as aggressive and be a little bit more passive until I'm sure something will go down August 1st, but I feel like making moves in the middle of July would, would, would make a big difference. Yeah, I think that's a very fair question, but unfortunately we deal – uh, in Major League Baseball with an industry that does everything at the last minute. It's not just the Marlins, it's everybody. And I think outside of Aroldis Chapman and a pitcher from Oakland named Fujinami that got traded, you've seen zero deals done in July. So what I told somebody in the dugout the other day, I don't, know, I don't remember who it was, was we, we here in South Florida, uh, you know, in, in an alternate universe, the people in Phoenix have, you know, a Phoenix on first podcast and they cover the Diamondbacks and they're thinking the exact same thing. Why didn't we get the guy? We lost four in a row. Blah, blah, blah. We haven't made the playoffs in 30 years. Everyone is going through the same thing. So while they would love to get Candelario, for sure, he's not attainable because the ask is just so ridiculous at this point. And on top of it, the other dynamic that's happened here is the Angels have not made clear what they're going to do with Shohei Otani. And if you are a team right now in baseball that wants to add and, and add a player like that, how can you possibly trade your prospects for, for Candelario when you have a shot at Otani? I think once the Angels determine what they're going to do here, whether it's keeping him or trading him, and even though they've said basically they're going to keep him, you, you haven't heard anything publicly, but once teams are aware that he is not available and maybe Juan Soto is not available – then I think the market opens up because then you see the top prospects from the team that are looking to acquire starting to trade for other players. But if I am uh, Baltimore and and I and I can get uh, Stroman, do do I do that now or do I wait to see if Otani is going to be available because maybe I can just give up the same thing and get Otani? Of course we're going to wait because Stroman will always be there for me. And I think that's what's happening right now. And, and yes, I agree. Maybe Miami could have done something a week or two ago to help them. But they're not alone. Everyone is doing the same thing. The market is completely dead right now. The, only, the, only, the market is not dead for people who just have rumors. Because there's just no facts right now. There's no trades happening. Nothing. Gotcha. Thanks a lot, Craig. That's all I got, guys. Yep. All right. Who do we have next? I saw a lot Marlins fan loading in. Eli's got it under control. Okay, I believe he's in. So, floor is yours. Uh, is that for me? Sorry. It is. Awesome. All right, Craig, I hope you get a super subscriber button. I would love to subscribe to you, and we could squash any beef we have. But I have two questions for you. Last year, on August 7th, you said that uh, on a state of the Marlins, that if Garcia does not turn it around, you can see the Marlins cut him before the contract uh, around this point. Can he be dealt, or do you believe it'll come to a DFA? And he can be dealt if, if they have to make a deal to take money back. It would have to be some sort of money swap, like we talked about Ozuna, that everybody clowned before. And I think most people would rather have Ozuna right now, that's for sure. So that, that would be, it's like a bad for bad type contract. Um, you know, one scenario that that came up, and again, this was not any trade proposal or anything like that, but if you think through Salvador Perez, 
maybe that would be something that if you know, and by the way, I, I do not believe Salvador Perez is getting traded for the Marlins at all. But if he was, and the, and the Royals got desperate, maybe Miami would be able to say, you know, swallow. Wow, we got to pay Salvador Perez another twenty million next year, and I think the year after, uh, will you take Avisel Garcia back in return to kind of cut that money in half? And and that would be the thinking. I think I think that's the only way that that would happen. As far as going into next year, I would be shocked if Avisel Garcia was back. Uh, with Miami next year, so they uh, so whether it's a DFA or just some sort of bad for bad contract, I think that I, I, I'm I would think his time here is done playing. But we've seen stranger things happen. I saw Jorge Alfaro playing left field. You know, things things happen. Yep. Uh, my, thank you. My second question is: I've heard the names of uh, Raquel Garcia from the Royals, uh, Candelario from the Nationals, uh, and I've heard that they talked to try to get Josh Hader, but unfortunately he doesn't want to sign a long-term deal here, so that may not work out. Have you heard anything on those three names I just mentioned? I, I know that they've talked to Kansas City about a lot of different things, and I believe that, that Kansas City likes Michael Garcia a lot, so I don't I don't think that that's – I mean, I'm not disrespecting anything, but I just don't think that that's accurate. Again, they would love to have Candelario. I had heard that before Gene Segura got hot, then Segura got hot, and then I didn't hear it anymore. And and I don't, I don't know if, if they feel comfortable with going with Gene or if, or if they feel like they could upgrade. Maybe they would upgrade there by getting Candelario. I still think that's probably a smart thing to do. Uh, Josh Hader's name, I, never, I have not heard uh, anything regarding him. Um, Miami right now, uh, you know, the, the relievers that are potentially on the board for them, it's really easy to find. It's the bad teams, the uh, guys expiring, and the ones with like somewhat controllable relievers uh, with good FIP and good ERA. This is a very easy thing to find. You guys can do the same thing and come up with the same names um, as far as the relievers are concerned. I haven't heard any of like those of the hater types, you know, Edwin Diaz types. I have not heard that. Awesome. Appreciate you. Um, and if the Marlins make the playoffs, the Harrison jersey is yours as a gift. Oh, uh, wait a second. I thought that you sold it, you liar. You I didn't say it. I sold it. I said it has a home, which is on my wall. Oh, my gosh. All of that for nothing. All of that for nothing. Unbelievable. All right. Well, all right. Two live crew. We'll uh, wait for your next dance. Awesome. That was great. That was great. All right, we've got Romeo, one of our original super subscribers on deck. Someone's already asked about Justin Lawrence, so I don't know what he's got. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, I gotta. It, it's still gonna be about Lawrence. Uh, I gotta ask Craig, why do you think that we haven't engaged at all for someone like him? He really dominated us the last. His last. I'm sorry, Justin Lawrence. Uh, do you think it's just I, a rock like just being can, can, can one of you guys take a look at, at Lawrence's contract situation because off the top of my head I don't know it he, he's got he's got a million years of club control remaining he's still pre-arbitration right, so, eligible so, so Eli just gave you the answer there you know the Rockies are not going to just no, no team is going to hand over four years of club control uh, it, it, it doesn't work like um I'll, I'll, without getting too far into it, but I, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I give you guys stuff to come out of here. You should be looking at the White Sox relievers. You should be looking at the Tigers relievers. You should be looking at Oakland's massive relievers that they have left. 
Kansas City. I'm po- I'm positive that those are names that are are still you know up for discussion. Um, the, the one thing that I can, that I always will do with any of this stuff when I talk to you guys, if I have heard a name, I will tell you. Sometimes I can't volunteer stuff just because it's too sensitive in nature, and I just don't want to hurt anyone. But I, I I don't know I don't know why they haven't gone for Lawrence. But I think Eli gave you the best explanation. If you do have four or five years of club control, what would that that that's going to cost a lot for the Marlins? You know, that, that that is going to cost a major piece, and and typically it's um. It's, it's not something that you do. You typically do not trade high-end pieces for bullpen arms. You just don't. It, it historically doesn't happen. I thought last year is a great example of a, of a miserable thing to do. I mean, the Orioles got one of the best relievers in baseball for a guy that's not even on the Twins anymore, if I'm not wrong, right? This guy Lopez that was traded for Yenier Cano. I mean, think about that. Like, this guy Cano is like, I mean, he could be a closer on 25 teams in baseball and they traded for an expiring deal on this guy Lopez and that's it. So you got to be super careful with those kind of deals. But your question is very fair. He does look like a good pitcher and um, he's done a great, and that guy Lawrence has done a great job. Pierce Johnson, I think, was closing and barred at the beginning and now this guy Lawrence has taken over. So Yeah, free, free agent in 2029 for Justin Lawrence. So. Yeah, there's no chance. I take it back. There's not no chance, but the cost to acquire something like that is, is astronomical. All right, Romeo. Any other questions? It doesn't look like we have anyone on deck. Eli should be get one, but Romeo, you still got the floor right now. Okay. It's not more of a question. It's more of a statement. Okay. And uh, I was going to say, this, is, this, this win today is what this team needed, and they, they needed it bad, 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 bad. They, um, I feel like it'll, like, like Treg has been saying, I think it's more of they needed to win more than to just get back in, into the, into the swing of things, um, start smiling again, and that's one way you can do it was with a walk-off. Uh, you needed to start, um, just, yeah, and so there, I feel like he's, He's going back to what he was doing back in 22. He's expanded his own. I think he just needs to, like, I, need, I think he needed a day off. But due to the fact of um, uh, Cooper being ended, ending up being sick, that uh, ended up ruining his off day. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I would maybe Noah would more know more about that than me. I'm not, I, I never heard that. But you could be right. What was the question? It, it wasn't a question. It was more of a statement. But um. That Solaire was doing a day off? I didn't, did you hear anything about that or not? Solaire is doing no, the team has a day off tomorrow. Yeah. So I, I don't I, – I, okay, so um, – so, 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 uh, okay, so your statement. What is your name? I'm sorry. It's me, Romeo. Oh, what's up, man? What's up? <laughs> yeah. So, so look, I, I, think, I think the win is important, but it's also important to have perspective. They won a game in extra innings by one run against the team missing 17 guys on the injured list and also not having two guys, best players in their lineup today, not playing, and Chris Bryant and C.J. Crone. Their third best player is Charlie Blackman. He was out too. This is a horrendous Colorado Rockies team. They should have won every game by seven runs in this series. But what you're seeing is who they are, which is a team that is sort of a team that's going to have to piece together runs, but is going to need those great pitching performances from Lozardo, from Cabrera, from Sandy, from 
Cueto, you know, from Yuri, from Trevor Rogers. They got to go back to that in the next two months. It's, it's going to be painful. There's going to be a lot of one-run games again. They're going to need some crazy things to happen, maybe to win those games. They may not get it. It's going to be very hard to beat L.A. six times at Houston three and Philly three and Texas three and Tampa. I mean, they have a brutal schedule at the Yankees. It's, it's going to be very hard to do, but the only way they're going to be able to do it is if they get some pitcher to come up or, or, or start for them, pitch five innings, and give up two runs, and the score is 2-2, and then they got to try and win. They, they are not going to win games 7-3 to three a lot like they did in the first half. They beat, these were wins against Oakland, Kansas City, Washington. 12 wins, 12-0. and 0. Those days are gone. It's, and Chicago, it's not happening anymore. they gotta, they got to be who they are. Go get a pitcher uh, who can give them quality starts for the rest of the season. Call Yuri Perez back up at some point, too. And roll with Sandy and Yuri Perez and uh, whoever they acquire, along with Lazardo and Edward Cabrera. I'm worried, again, about Braxton Garrett. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. We'll see. I don't think he's hurt. I just, I'm, I'm concerned. There you go. Was that all you had, Romeo? My opinion. <laughs> That's all I got for now. Okay. Appreciate it. Brian is becoming a recurring guest here. Hey, he's got yeah. some good questions. He's on deck. So, Brian, it's all you, man. Hey, guys. Appreciate the time. Craig, thanks for uh, being on this first time I get to ask while you're on. But this is a question for every, anyone who chime in on this. Um, obviously, we've seen um, Dave Myers. It looks like he's starting to struggle, striking out a bit. Um, what's the chance that we can see Xavier Edwards come up? Uh, I know he's played out there before, and maybe if Jazz is going to be off for a while, maybe they can swap time in center field and see who's going to be probably the best fit uh, for the next month or two. Uh, what's the chance we can see Xavier Edwards come up? I think the guy's very deserving of the call-up again. He already has two RBIs in tonight's game. And then, obviously, we need help in the bullpen. You know, looking at the internal guys, what, what's the chance we see Sean Reynolds get up here uh, pretty soon? Yeah, I, I think as Xavier Edwards, a lot of people share your opinion on that in the organization, and I think you're about to see him soon, whether it's Tampa or Detroit. I would be very surprised if he's not back within the next week. I think he's going to come back. As far as the relievers are concerned, uh, Sean Reynolds, they absolutely could give an opportunity to, but I, I don't know that a team that's fighting for the wild card in the postseason is ready to turn over the eighth inning or ninth inning to Sean Reynolds. Now, uh, look, we never would have thought that about George Soriano, and I, and I think Alex made a good point earlier that he's looked so good that maybe they would want to consider that. So I think that that's in play. But I, I think their acquisition has to come from, uh, you know, a Kansas City, a Chicago, a Washington. You know, Washington also is another team. I know they're looking at their relievers too. So I, I think that it has to come from uh, from another team. I think that's and, and put one of those guys into a better spot, a winning spot. Listen, Tanner Scott came from Baltimore, Sulcer, they got him too. He didn't work out, but Tanner Scott came from a horrific spot when he was with the Orioles. They lost a million games and it took him some time to, you know, to get used to winning. And, and here we are. So maybe they could acquire the uh, reliever from one of these losing teams and and you know, put them in the clubhouse with Skip and everybody else. Uh, I, I don't think they have any internal options that are ready to pitch the eighth and ninth inning. Um, let's also you know, circle back here. One other thing before I stop, and you guys can say whatever, is that uh, the Matt Barnes experiment was obviously a failure too. I know it was more of a money swap for Blyer, and I get that, but from the day that Matt Barnes came, it was very evident that he did not have the stuff that they thought that he had previously. 
And even though they said initially, if you guys remember, that he was going to be part of the back end of the bullpen, that never was the case. Matt Barnes, unfortunately, just did not have the, the back end type stuff. So another uh, player that they've lost that they essentially have not replaced, right? Like with George Soriano, that's sort of been the replacement there. They got to go outside. They got to get somebody from the outside. The, it's open for anyone else on, on fish on first who uh, wants to answer this question. I, I don't. I don't know um, of how of how juggling these guys around who are who are natural infielders or not natural infielders because Dane Myers is a natural pitcher who has moved to positions. But um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think um, Xavier is is best at second base. Um, that's where he's made most of his career. They've put him in center field because they don't have center field depth. He's done okay there uh, in, in AAA. He's been okay. Um, and that would be where he would, as Craig said, be probably pushed into with the Marlins. Um, but, man, I, w- I would worry about the same things. Um, yes, he has speed. Yes, he's fast. But I would worry about the the strain on him You know, continuing to learn that position at a tricky ballpark like Lone Depot and then continuing to perform at the plate. I don't know. Uh, it would be interesting. Um, it would be an interesting move to make. Um, you would take the pressure off of Dane because he would be better at third base or first base, and then you know you put the strain on. Uh, you put the same strain on Xavier. So I don't know, man. Uh, it, it, I don't know. It's an interesting topic. But uh, uh, listen, if Dane Myers goes another over seven, Alex, I hate to break it to you, but he'd be go down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. This is not going to last much longer. I mean, isn't isn't Dane Myers? Does he have a hit? One, one walk. You think that's enough to be sustained? That's, yeah, that's crazy. Next question. No, no, yeah, but yeah, next question. I like that. Um, I, like I, I, I think he could be a player for sure, but it's very odd. Listen, the same thing as Jesus Sanchez from last year and this year and every other year. No one knows who you are. You get called up to the big leagues. There's very limited data. It's all from the minor leagues. The minor league scouts are not as good as the pro scouting departments. The pro scouts get the video, follow you around in person and on video, and then JT Real Nudo sees a video and says, oh, just throw him a you know, high and outside fastball right, right outside the plate. Oh, great. We'll strike out Dane Meyer seven times now. The end. This is what happens, and then you have to adjust, and the best in the, in the league do it and become superstars, and the other guys go back down, and, and it yeah. may take going back down. It's nothing against Dane, but it's just the reality. I mean, it's very obvious that they haven't figured out right now. Yeah, league adjustment is a thing, and Dane's going through it right now. But what, what I meant to say, as I said before, is positional strain is a real thing. Uh, you see Dane going through. He's played center field a lot. It's not a position he's played a ton ever. He's been fine. Career. He's been fine. He's been good enough to get through it. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that that's, you know. I, I think Xavier Edwards or Dane or Jazz, you know, they're all they're, – none of them are elite center field. I guess Jazz played an elite center field for – about a month, but it's it, look, they still don't have a center fielder, and anybody they put out right. there, it's about it's going to be about the same defensively. So if 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 Dane's going to go another zero for nine with five strikeouts, they may as well give Xavier Edwards a shot. And, let, and I'd I'd love to see Dane back later this year or even this year. Who knows? But I, they they cannot have a, a guy who cannot get on base at all and, and just pray for a double. It's just it's just not sustainable. Agreed. Uh, can I just chime in one more question? Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, well, I mean, just so you know, like, X is, I think, Xavier, he's hitting about, like, 353 right now, so it'd be great if we see him there next week. Last thing yeah, I want to ask is, we do go all out and we trade a bunch of prospects um, for whatever positions of we needs that we need in a major league club, uh, in a major league team. And let's say we do fall short of the postseason. Um, what what happens is offseason? Do you think Kim Mag will probably be gone? Do you think Sherman considers a sell? Uh, what, what is the worst case scenario right now, you would say, if we do go all out? Okay, so the, the two questions is, is, is what again? Ask me very specifically. So if we go all out and we sell all our prospects for the positions of need, right? Okay. And we missed a postseason. For and how example. many games? And how many games did the Marlins win? You're talking about from here to October? No, just total at the end of the season. What is that number? What is the amount of wins? Let's say they go like 80, 80 in the eighties, and they fall short of, of a wild card spot, for example. So like eighty three wins or something like yeah, that. Yeah, eighty two, eighty three, maybe. Yeah, we fall okay. short. And then what happens? And then what happens with Kim is what you're asking? And then, yeah, well, I mean, then what, what was the second here, right? part of what you say about Bruce Sherman? Does he consider selling? Does he good? Okay, so that's the easiest part. So we'll start from the back and then we'll move to the, the forward here. Hold on a second. One second. Um, Bruce, Sherman, Bruce Sherman is, is not selling the Marlins. Okay? So that's not happening. Um, you know, I never say never to anything, but that would be the least likely scenario for me i don't think that that's going to happen so i'll start with that as far as kim is concerned um look this is the last year for contract uh i, I think overall that the job that she's done this year there's no question that she gets high marks for it for sure um i don't know what what would happen that's you know obviously above my pay grade to to know exactly what that decision would be is it a certain amount of wins is is it the result of what happens here at the deadline i really can't answer that um, I mean, I, I guess I would say I would probably be surprised if they made a change at general manager. If they won 83 games, I guess I, I probably would be surprised. Uh, if they won uh, 78 games, I may not be surprised because uh, that would mean they completely collapsed here in the, in the next couple of months. And I think that, that someone would have to be accountable for that. So I really don't know what the answer would be. And I, I guess I'm going to kind of go into the assumption that Kim will be back next year, just based on what I've seen thus far. But uh, it's it's a brutal schedule in August, and, and if we came on and we did another one of these spaces the first week in September, and you told me the Marlins went seven and twenty in August, would we be shocked? No one would be shocked. It's just the nature of, of what's gone on. So let's see. Let's wait and see. And you, you know, listen. If something happens, you'll hear it from me. That's for sure. Appreciate the time, guys. Yes, thank you very much. Did I answer that clearly enough? Yeah, that was good, Craig. I appreciate it. Okay, yeah. Bruce Sherman is not selling the Marlins. No one ever needs to ask me that anymore. <laughs> We've got Cole up next, uh, who's been waiting a while. I don't believe we have any more super subscriber requests, so if anyone else has a question, uh, it's your time to request. But it's Cole's turn, so uh, Cole, if you next? got any questions, go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so, it's said that like one of the biggest tests that culture can face is when you start losing. So I guess for Craig uh, and whoever's just kind of been close uh, to the Marlins team, uh, what, what have you noticed about you know the clubhouse, the mood, the atmosphere uh, during this skid? Sure. So look, Noah's here. He could you know obviously answer because he's in the clubhouse way more than I am. I probably. 
I have probably been in the clubhouse myself. In the spring, I go a lot, but in the, in the regular season, I've probably been five, six times maximum this season. Uh, I, I am just no longer uh, a huge believer of getting to the game at 3.30. Um, what happens is, if, if I if, the way that I attack it is that if I'm going to say something negative about somebody, or if I feel like I need an explanation or somebody needs an explanation of me, that's when I show up and I just basically, you know, put myself out there that if anybody, you know, takes issue with me or, or has something to say, um, then I'm there to do that. What I, what I usually do is I show up usually right before skip talks at four o'clock because I feel at that point I'm going to probably get everything that, that I need. Now, that's not saying that I don't talk to these guys, which I do on the side. And I haven't gotten the sense at all of any worry, whereas that has been very different in years past, especially last year in particular. Last year was probably the most negative vibe I've gotten, uh, you know, maybe since, you know, uh, 2000, whenever, uh, unfortunately, whenever Dan Jennings was hired, that was, that was the one year that the things just kind of, and I like Dan Jennings, but the players were not having that that year. It was really unfortunate. Um, but I, I haven't gotten the sense that anybody has quit. I haven't gotten the sense that anybody's upset. Every time I text, hey, we're going to get it going. Yep, okay, cool. You know, everything's still cool. Yep, it is. Uh, Skip, still very overwhelmingly positive about the whole situation. I think, I don't want to speak for Skip, but knowing him like I do, I think that he also, uh, you know, looks back on the first half of the season and maybe we'll say it publicly or not, but also realizes, hey, there were some wins lumped in that, uh, you know, some good things happened, but there were also some, you know, some luck around along the way too for them to get to that point. And I think everybody sees that as well, but I don't, I don't sense any negativity at all. Uh, guys quitting, fighting with each other. Everybody really likes each other there. They have a really good clubhouse. And, um, unless, like I said, Noah's in there a lot more than me if he sees something different, but you're really getting a lot of BS in, in a clubhouse, in an atmosphere like that. You're, you're not going to get, uh, guys to really tell you exactly how they feel or what's going on, um, at least in my opinion. Yeah, so what I've been noticing, is I, I this was my first game back after the All-Star break because they've been on the road and then it was the weekend. Um, but definitely the difference between before the game and after the game, you could definitely tell there was a lot of relief. But there was a general, there's been a general feeling of optimism, like they're going to get through it, they're going to get through it. So there's no real worry. And throughout the season, the, the, the vibes in the room and, because everyone bought in, and I don't think anyone's checked out at all. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so at all. But reality definitely has set in a little more to where their record is. But you know, again, it's it's it, you look at their record now, and that's it, this is sort of who the team is. So I don't know if that answered your question. I'm definitely not the most, no longer probably will ever be the most qualified person to say what's the clubhouse vibe before and after because I just don't do it nearly as much as I used to. Um, covering baseball for me has has changed, I think, significantly. You can acquire information through phone calls and text messages, whereas baseball used to be more of an, a face-to-face type sport. So I don't really, I don't have to do that as much. But uh, as an example, with, without getting into like you know much detail, like I, I will and and have as recently as this week spent hours face-to-face with people. Um, in the organization to sort of get an idea as to what's going on. Cause I, I've dedicated my craft to making sure that uh, I do FaceTime with these people in person. Um, so 
oh, but it, but it just doesn't come in the clubhouse because I just don't feel like I can accomplish it like I can on the side, if that makes sense. Thanks. I uh, appreciate the insight. Um, one more question I, I guess I have is like, assume we make the playoffs and you know, everyone's performance is consistent. Do you have a Sandy uh, start, starting the game, starting a playoff game? Sandy starting a play. Did you say Sandy starting a playoff game? Yeah, I mean, assuming the current the current trajectories hold. Oof, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would assume that he would that he would start game one of a playoff game, but yeah, I guess it's a fair question. If if he um, if he kept going like this the entire season, would he pitch game one of a wild card game? It's you know, it's a it's a fair question. Uh, you know, Yuri Perez, is he in the big leagues at that time? He could go game one. I think Lazardo has been a better pitcher this year than Sandy. They could opt to do that in a game one situation. So I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. By gosh, Sandy would be so upset, I would think, if he wasn't the guy in game one. But the results do speak for themselves. You'd be hard-pressed to have him maybe go over Yuri or Lazardo. But beyond that, I, I would think it would be if, if they got in a wild card series and it went three games. I think those three pitchers would be the ones to pitch. I think those those who they trust the most, unless they get somebody else, which I do think they will. So that may eliminate the, the, that uh, Yuri part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be a mistake to not have uh, Yuri starting in a playoff game later this year. But that's just if, if, if Yuri Perez didn't come up and start a playoff game this year and didn't come up at the end of the year, then this whole thing was for nothing. It would be be crushed. We should be crushed if that's the case. It, does, it would make no sense whatsoever. Totally agree. Maybe say right, is that all you got, Cole? <laughs> yeah, I think that's all I got. Thank you, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll jump off. Thank you. Isn't it amazing that people still ask about Sixto Sanchez. It's crazy. <laughs> I love seeing <laughs> other fan bases put him in <sighs> mock trade proposals. That's my favorite. Kim was asked by MLB.com, you know, at what point do you cut bait? With him, and she said, "Not yet, not now." So no, wow. no, no rush to get him off the forty man either. That's another question. I, I, I don't get it, uh, uh, Craig. I know you don't get it either. I don't. Get no it. one claimed Girard Encarnacion. No one wanted him, Alex. No one. <laughs> That's fair. No one. That's fair. Is that what you're about to ask? Different waivers. No one wanted him. Zero. There wasn't a single team that wanted him. Is that what you're going to ask about? So, so if they waive Sixto Sanchez off, uh, he's still on the 40-man, right? No yeah. one will claim Sixto Sanchez Right, exactly. Waivers. So why is he still on the 40-man roster? Why because it's embarrassing to make a trade for JT Real Muto and not get anything back in return. Exactly. So they're, they're literally just waiting on him to max, or try to maximize the investment. And he's not going to, I don't think he's going to do it. But well, well, maybe of course that's the reason. Why do you think Johnny Cueto is starting? You think because he's good? Because they just gave him $8 million. That's Patrick another Monteverdi. ridiculous. That's and another and ridiculous Patrick, thing. And Patrick Monteverdi and all these guys in AAA, they bust their ass for their entire life. Right, you're right. To, exactly. to see this guy come in, and then let's set a precedent just because the guy's making $8 million, we got to call him up to the big leagues. So, yes. so, 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 so since we're on the topic, and I don't want to cut off anybody else that wants to speak, trust me, and I don't want to go too long, what does that say to minor league baseball players that are busting their ass and performing well just because this man, Johnny Cueto, or whoever it may be, is making money, that they're going to be part of the major league team in the middle of what is supposed to be a winning season. Explain. It, 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 it's it's the it's this is the business that they have chosen, and this is the game, okay. and, and every team does it. Some teams 
do it differently. That is true. Some teams will will not do what the Marlins did. You know, some organization that's that's a three hundred million dollar payroll will just say, "Hey, eight million. That's nothing in this game. Goodbye. We don't want you." The Marlins cannot afford to do that. Right. And and um, look, this may end up working out for them in the end. For the last couple of months, it's very possible. He looked obviously very good against Colorado. No taking that away. Um, how somebody goes from throwing eighty-seven to AAA in ninety-four? Maybe we should be asking that question because I have no idea. But uh, it is what it is. This is baseball. You you are familiar with your buddies in in Jacksonville and Pensacola. And there's somebody across the country covering the Diamondbacks in Scottsdale that are thinking the same thing, Alex. How is it possible, you know, or Cincinnati, how is it possible that Will Myers gets to be on the Cincinnati Red the whole season, batting 170, whatever, and then the Reds just cut him and they ate the money. And, and then, so it does happen. Um, it has not happened with this. Maybe the Marlins made the right decision with Guaido by keeping him around because he pitched very well. Who knows? Maybe this ends up working out. Maybe we'll see. I mean, I the look of him in that start was, was very good. Uh, I will admit that I was very surprised. I think all of us were. Everybody was surprised. But yeah, uh, when you're when you're allowing two, three, four, one, two, three, four home runs to, to minor league hitters, and then you come in and do what he did, yeah, that's impressive. Do what he does next start, man, because you know the recency bias too. If he comes in next start and he, he does what he did in Triple A, there, there's it's going to be who a knows? Story, so. Who knows? He faces the Tigers next. He could easily mow them okay. down too. Let's see. Anyways, all right, we've got uh, we've got Juan here who was requested for a while. Apologies about the wait, man, but now's your time to ask us the question. All right, all right, so. My question is, like, is there any, like, projected return for Sixto Sanchez? Like, No. <laughs> like, any, like, any update, like... Is this Ryan again? <laughs> no. Who is this? It's, it's Juan. It's Juan. Juan, listen to me, Juan. It's nice to meet you. I'm Craig. How are you? Nice to meet you, too. Good. Sixto Sanchez is finished. He's never going to pitch in Major League Baseball ever again. He has no future whatsoever with the Marlins or anyone else. The only difference between him and Victor Victor Mesa in with uh, in the Bahamas with the Pigs is that is that they traded a player that is a potential Hall of Famer, and they just are hanging on to dear life for hope that this guy could come back and do something. It's never going to happen. He's constantly injured. He previously, I don't know how things have gone in, over the past year, but he's had a very poor work ethic in the past, which has caused a lot of the problems that he's had. I have nothing against him personally, uh, but he is, it is not going to happen. And there's no reason to ask about the player anymore. It, it is, I, I, I don't cover other teams in Major League Baseball like I cover the Marlins. I cannot believe that the Los Angeles Dodgers would have their public relations staff come out there and uh, ask about a, a player who hasn't been on a field in three games and continue to give injury updates on the guy. Maybe maybe it's a rule that you have to if it's on the 40-man. I, I don't know. I would have to ask the PR staff on that. Uh, but it's done. It's over. There's no reason to talk about him ever again. He's not coming back. All right. Sorry. That's it. Sorry. Sorry. Hey, it's a good question, though, man. Do you have any more questions? Um... 
have any other questions. I'm sorry. I don't mean to rain on your parade today. And I know that, look, he pitched very well in that, in that like, uh, season that he had, but he came in totally out of shape the next year, hadn't thrown in the offseason, hurt right away, didn't stick around when they wanted him to stick around, went in other places, uh, he posted a video of himself looking like he was in 11U Little League Baseball. He couldn't even throw. Uh, tried to tell a local reporter that he was throwing hard 90 miles an hour and wanted him to put it out there with that. And then the reporter asked him to give me the video so I could send it, and he never sent the video. Uh, it's just forget it. Just forget it. I'm sorry. We could, I think I think there's a better chance Victor Victor Mesa comes back, honestly, than, than this guy. I'm just being honest. All right. Okay, so the next guy who's going to ask a question, I just wanted to introduce them specially because they do so much work for for the Marlins, running the Marlins Discord and with the audience questions, just throwing off everybody and anybody when they, uh, with Jeopardy. Um, uh, Ivan from the Marlins Discord, he goes by Navi. Um, uh, if you got any questions, go ahead, but just thank you for everything you do for the Marlins community. Thanks for the uh, introduction. Um, cool. Special. Um, Craig, I, I usually don't ask questions because I feel like everyone's being repetitive and no. But I, I just wanted to maybe gauge this. I respect re- refraining from name dropping targets, sensitive, I understand that. The last two questions, yes or yes or no, or you can give as much detail as you want. The questions are as follows Are other teams receptive to receiving players recovering from injuries? Such as you know, Meyer, Jake Heater, Dex Holton, Rogers, Bender, etc. Right. That's mm-hmm. number one. And question number two is: Do you think the Marlins are willing to relinquish players from the top of the farm, or will we see more trades comparable to some trades we saw, such as Wendell for Kent Meisner, Brady Allen for Jonathan Davis, Stallings for you know Nicholas Scott and Thompson, um, where the Marlins gave up some more little players for players that turned into major pieces? Okay, well, first of all, thanks for the question, Navi. Second, the, the one thing that I would say that if you follow me pretty closely, there definitely is that element of me not giving up the names uh, or talking very specifically about names and targets that I've heard. But, but what I would also say is that if you followed my work closely, after it's all said and done, as I've always talked about, usually a lot of this stuff does show up in the Miami Herald after the fact. <laughs> I've noticed that in the past. That's, yeah. that's really, you know, sometimes they get mad at me for doing that, but usually after it's over and I know that there's nothing to talk about again and there's no deals happening, usually that stuff happens and then I get yelled at a little for doing it, but I still am going to do it and I'm going to do it again this year too. Uh Uh, But as far as giving up the players that you talked about, unfortunately at this point, Dax Fulton is really not going to be a target for a lot of people. You know, he did have serious surgery again. It's going to be out, I think a long time again. So as far as like, you know, no, the, the thing is, Navi, is no one can go right now, uh, no scout from, I'm going to throw a team out with no uh, attribution here, just as, as a random, the, the Nationals. Mike Rizzo, the general manager, cannot send one of his scouts to go see Dax Fulton pitch. He can't do it. And, and it's important to be able to see the guy pitch. You can actually see Max Meyer throw if you want. You can watch Jake Eater throw in a game if you want. You can watch Carson Milbrand or Zach McCambly or Evan Fitter or any of these other guys. So that's what makes it problematic, more so for Dax Fulton than so than for Meyer. But Meyer obviously a little problematic too because he's not pitching in games. 
So I, I, don't, I don't know that the probability, what I would put the probability on those guys moving, but if they were to trade somebody for the future, they would obviously have to get something very uh, good back in return. As far as major deals being made, in order for that to happen, they would have to go into this deadline winning pretty much, I think, every game. Until, like, they have to be Tampa Bay twice, and I think Detroit, they've really fallen back. Uh, it is not in the standings, but just sort of the mental aspect of where the team is at. You could see that there are now some serious holes. So sacrificing a lot for the future just to you know sniff that third wild card may not be what they do. Uh, but I would tell you that when they were 14 games over, boy, I heard some you know, in, you know hey, like not not you know, spare spare no player type expense to get in this thing. Um, I haven't heard necessarily a lot of pullback from that, but I just think it's. It's sort of expected at this point that because of where they're at, they would probably, uh, you know, not mortgage a ton for the future just to get in this year. But I think they would like to. I think they would like to do it, and I think they're going to make trades to try and do it. Was there a name that you a specific name you were looking for for me? No, no, no. I actually didn't want a name. I, I, I understand that. What I was saying is like, you know, you have to kind of touch it. You said. When they were 14 games above 100, you were like amazed by some of the offers. Um, or, yeah, or, or, or let's like as an example. So, so at that point, there okay, was so, let, so let so yeah. So they're 14 games over 500. You know, I, I talked I talked to some people. It would you know how what would it take to get Juan right. Soto? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? You know, like mm-hmm. how how does that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and then and now all of a sudden you've lost eight in a row, and the Padres are four games behind you. You know, so it's like uh, you know, like I mean, I, I think the Padres aren't going to trade Soto, but I think the Padres have also discussed him with other teams to say, hey, what would a deal look like if it ended up happening? Let's not forget, the Miami spoke to Cleveland about Jose Ramirez before Jose Ramirez was extended. Uh, you know, Cleveland did their due diligence to make sure that, hey, if we can't extend this guy and we have to make a trade, we got to know who we're dealing with. That's what some of the best front offices do. I'm guessing that A.J. Preller, the, the general manager of the Padres, called the Marlins. He probably called Arizona. He probably called LA. He's probably called uh, the Orioles and said, "Hey, look, we, we don't plan on trading Juan Soto, but if we did, what does that look like?" And I think that's a lot of what's probably going on right now, just because so many teams are close that are in it. But um, yeah, I mean, if the Marlins were 14 games over 500 and the Padres were seven games under, I think the Marlins would try to get Juan Soto. Yeah, like I do, but we're not in that spot anymore. That's amazing. That's amazing. And pay him 30 million dollars next year. <laughs> I, I, it's Juan Soto, man. Like, you, I, I don't know how you don't look at that and say you got to do it. Yeah, but how do you do that now? I don't. I don't know that you can. I wasn't gonna say it because it's not Mons related, but is it thirty million for Juan Soto next year? Well, he's going to arbitration, so you pay him whatever the arbitration value is. And is it thirty? Was it? Would it be thirty? He's twenty-four, I think. I'm, I'm not an expert. I think the last thing is in the high twenties. He's one, he's one of the, the record-breaking arbitration deals, but, you know, I'm not an expert. Uh, I, I, I mean, all, my, my opinion only, I think, yes. I think that if, if the Marlins thought they could get Juan Soto uh, and, and they thought that they could win the division um, or be the number one wild card and were in that position, I think that they would entertain it, yes. I, I just think that they would. But I just don't – I don't feel like they're in the same position they were that they, no. they were a week ago. That's not, that's not at all what I expected as an answer coming into that question. Um, only thing I'll say, and it's not honest related, but I'll say it just because you brought it up earlier, you reiterated it. What you, you report the the offers that were on the table or what things went exchanged. Um, yeah. I chose 
month last week with some friends. Like, I just hope that after the deadline, we hear every single offer and request that the Angels have for Otani. So yeah. that in five years' time, we can we can judge how the trade went, just like judge the Stanton trade and said what would have happened if he was traded to the Cardinals or the Giants or whatever. Like, I want to go back and see how much did the Angels lose out on by trading. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that would be. I think the Angels are going to end up looking back like they should have done it, probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for the answer. Um, no problem. I don't think you're up there. No. Oh, yeah, you're awesome. All right. Apologies. Does anyone speak? I don't want to interrupt anyone again. I know it's been a minute. Oh, we got Jab next. Yep. No one is. Yep. And uh, Craig, just want to let you know, since it's getting late, we've been doing this for a minute. If you want to slide out, just let us know. Okay. All right, Jab, it's all you, man. Let's wrap up at nine, guys. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, first, I just want to say thank you to uh, Craig for taking some uh, ultra-valuable time out of his day for this. Uh, you know, it means a lot to all of us in here that you know do this kind of stuff and give us this kind of information. So I just want to say thank you for that real quick. No problem. And um, I had some connection connection issues earlier, and I had to pop out. I don't know if this question was answered, but referring back to the draft, I know they obviously took Noble Meyer. Was Jacob Wilson their number one pick on their board, so to speak? Uh, I think so. Awesome. Well, thank God for Oakland. Thank you so much, Greg. By the way, just to call it out really quick, um, you know, I don't know, Craig, if you saw it, or I know we all saw it here, but Jab does a great job with, uh, or did a great job this draft with, uh, it literally analyzed every pick, gave a grade for every pick, which was super valuable. So let, I me, pull up, his, let, let, me, let me pull up the draft because there was another name here. Hold on a second. 2000, what is it, 2023 MLP draft? Yep. Yes, that is the year. Was it the other Jacob Gonzalez? Jacob Gonzalez, maybe? No. Jake, Jake Geloff? No, Noah. No, Noah. Hell no, Noah. It was a Fishman? Hold on a second. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> now you're speaking my language. I'll give you another name. Hold on, I can do that. I don't mind. Okay, let's see. Schemes, Cruz, Clark, Langford, Jenkins, Wilson, right? That was a name I heard. Louder, Mitchell, Dollander, Noblemeyer. Match it So, so exciting. No, Teal, Gonzalez, Eldridge. Drum roll, maybe it was please. a second. Maybe it was a second round pick. Hold on, was the U.S. Oh, okay. We're definitely not taking the Yohani Morales. Was it Yohani Morales, Craig? You know, I, I think he was a name involved too. It does sound familiar. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Friday, we were talking about that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to not be able to do this because I really. Oh, how I think that was a, a name. Ah. That, was, that was. Oh that was yeah, that's a name that was definitely mentioned by by DJ a bunch. Yes, how. That's Eli. That's Mr. Eli liked also very much so. I didn't really see that, but yeah. <laughs> but I liked it. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know. DJ has his plans going in, and you know he gets some guys, doesn't get other guys. So, yeah, another we'll name, too. I don't know. Those guys. Uh, yeah. 
I'm not going to be able to do anything else because I just don't remember. There was one other name that I don't see here. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm failing. No, you're good. Uh, but, yeah, Jab had, like, a grade for every pick. Like, he was a valuable resource in this draft. So, really good job by by Jab. So, appreciate your coverage of, of the draft, Jab. It was awesome. I had the privilege of meeting Mr. Jab the other night at the Marlins. Here. But, oh, that Brock's meltdown game against Colorado. Very nice guy. So, yes, thank you, Jab. Yeah, of Yeah. And everyone else I was with. You could have just used the date. You didn't have to point out that Braxton blew up. Well, we were just bonding over the fact that it was 6 nothing in the second inning. So that's what made me remember of what game it was. No, thank you. <laughs> All right, next up, since we're kind of getting towards the end here, we've got Big O. Uh, okay. Your question. Um, hey, hey, guys, thanks for having me. Um, Craig, yes. I appreciate the work that you do. Honestly, I, you know I follow you a lot. My question centers around... I think a match made in heaven, which is the Cardinals for a trade. And one of those trades is, so you can shut me down now, uh, Nolan Arenado. What do you think of that? No. No, why? Because he makes a billion dollars. Oh, okay. So, yeah. no, it's not, not, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to say that it's a it's a terrible idea. It's just they're not going to pay that guy. So they're not going to pay anybody that money. It's never going to happen. Sorry, guys. Marlins are not going to have anyone making $250 million uh, on the contract. It's never going to happen. Sorry. All right. Fair. That's fair. But my actual question is, of the seven outfielders that they have... Um, can you guys... Hold on one second. Can you guys excuse me one second here? How do I share the spaces? A little drop no. box thing at the top, I believe. Hold on, I'm going to share it here. Yeah, the little arrow that's pointing up. Click on that. Okay. Should I be yeah. concerned that you're sharing it? Don't worry about okay. it. Telling me not to worry is how I worry. Okay, just give me another minute, and then I'll be back with you guys. Well, I could I could ask it for the the rest. Um, yeah, why don't you do that? Um, how about one of the seven outfielders that they have? Because honestly, I feel like our offense is putrid. The bottom half is is rough to see. It feels like when once we get down against these teams, it's a mission to come back. Even though we do have a lot of comeback wins, but. Like, that's been a part of the eight losses is our ability to be very, very top-heavy. And if Arise and Solaris are producing, so Cardinals outfielders. I They have a lot of outfielders. I think the two categories you got to really focus on, one, that that outfielder can play an above-average center field at least, and two, he can bat from the left side. I think those are the two areas you look for. So you look at Lars Newbar, which I don't see them parting ways with. You look at Dylan Carlson, who's been smoking hot since coming off the IL. I think those would be the names. But like I, like I think Craig mentioned earlier, most of the reasons will go to starting pitching when it comes to prospect capital. And those two names that I mentioned would certainly cost a lot. But yeah, when you look at any outfielders across the league that Miami may want, because um, I think they might want one, center fielder, 
one that can play center. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, an amazing defensive center fielder, but one that can at least fake it out there and can either switch hit or bat left hand. I think those are the two main criteria. Did, did, did Lars Newport get hurt today, guys? Did that happen today? I think I, I think I saw that. Let me double check. Yeah, Lars Newport, that would be a great name. I'd give up anything to get him. Fired his DM the year after, but I really like that guy. Well, well, there's, 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 a, there's a guy in, in minor league baseball that can play outfield and corner outfield. I'll let Kevin ask this question. Kevin, go, go. Do, oh, yeah, uh, just, uh, with Newbark, he left the he left the, the game today with right heel soreness. Yeah, so gosh, if he was hurt, that would suck for them. I think like Donovan is a good name. The Cardinals, like I think he could be their shortstop in the future. I think that would be a good target. Um, you know, uh, I, I wasn't aware that Michaelis signed a long-term deal with the Cardinals, but I, boy, that would be a perfect guy for this rotation. Like, you know, a three, four, never hurt guy. You know, like that's exactly what they need. Like, like two hundred innings, wants to go deep into the game. Can we find a guy like that? Like, that's that's a, a tough one. Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn would have been that guy. Except I don't know what the heck happened this year. So you feel the Marlins need a starter more so than a bat? Yeah, because I, I no, I think they need a bat more, but I don't think one bat is going to help. I, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think they're so far off the other teams offensively, so far behind Atlanta, so far behind Philadelphia, uh, probably pretty far behind Arizona. Um, maybe on par with the Giants, maybe. Like, uh, but the Giants are like insane platoon team. So it's like, you know, who are they going to get that's going to supremely upgrade Segura that's not named Arenado? Who are they going to get that's going to supremely upgrade Wendell that's not Trey Turner? You know, who are they going to get that the catcher that's not named uh, Adley Rutschman? You know, they, 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 the names are just not out there to, to have unless they pull off one of these, one of those Jazz Gallon deals. Like, is that a deal that's out there? Maybe we should be asking ourselves that because... I just these, these rental pieces that like the Oscar Hernandez, like if Seattle trades him, like maybe that's you know, somebody, you know. But is that going to really get them where they need to be? Luis Robert, he's making money. I'm telling you, they're not getting anybody that's going to make money. <laughs> um, Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I take it back. They're gonna add payroll. I believe. I don't think they're willing to. I don't think they will take on a guy with a massive contract. I just don't think so. Will they call up Troy Johnson? God damn it, Isaac. Holy shit. I have no idea. Isaac, that wasn't that wasn't cool. Kevin has been waiting to ask that for a while, but I wanted to yeah, be Kevin's, Kevin's been waiting on that. We were gonna close I out think, the I think show for this as we wrap it up. Sass. I think let's stick to like the major league stuff because honestly, like you guys do a great job with the minor league stuff, but it's it's it's, you guys fall in love with them too easily, and it's it's sort of a relevant conversation. No offense to any of those guys. No, I, I think it's not a clock. How, how many more questions do you want to take, guys, right? but it's, this, is a, this is a potential playoff team, and you know they, they, they're looking for guys on other teams right now. That's what they're trying to do. All right, Christ, it's not a clock. How many more questions do you want to take? It's all up to you. A couple more guys, and then, and then uh, I think I'm going to check out. All right, let's 
do two more. We've got someone right now. We'll have Eli get someone on deck, and then uh, we'll call it at that. Thank you all for those who requested to speak tonight and for those who did speak tonight. We do this every Sunday, so make sure to tune in. You guys still here? It's late deadline's coming. Yeah, we're still here, Greg. Okay, was there anything else? I guess one thing that I failed to ask Joey Wendell when I had him on, Kevin and I had him on, um, on filter was if there's any mutual interest in retaining him for next season because obviously we know the lineup shorts up the options that they have. I don't think so, but I do like Joey a lot, and I'm happy that he you know, turned around somewhat this season. I'm a big fan of his, but I, I don't think so. I think that, that they really need to find a long-term answer in shortstop. I guess one question I have quickly. With the catcher situation, obviously, I think we, we spoke about it on Friday, but if they don't make a deal now for a catcher, what – way do you think they do make a deal because the free agent market doesn't look good right now and a lot of, I believe a lot of catchers are you know they have their years of control it's a great question I don't know how they're going to attack it in the offseason but maybe similar to how they did stallings they would find you know, a way to get you know Elias Diaz or um, I, I don't know honestly I'd have to look deeper into the catcher market but uh, Stallings has played better, and you know Fortes has his moments. It, it, look, they're, they're, I don't think either of them are really super long-term answers, but I, I think you could probably live with one being a backup next year and then them bringing in somebody else. But what that would be and who that would like be, I, I don't know. I just don't know that they're going to be able to upgrade it this year. I mean, is Grandal a huge upgrade over either of those guys? Why? Because we know who he is? Is he a huge upgrade? I mean, I pay him $12 million the rest of the year? I Maybe you guys think so. I don't know. I mean, hitting under 200. All right. This will be our last question. Isaac, shut up. We got aquatic mascot fan. He's going to get this last question in real quick. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, Look, Jazz, hopefully coming back soon. A couple other players might be seeing the field for the first time in a long time. Avi. Um, and maybe even some position players traded for. My question is, how many drastic changes should we expect post-trade deadline as far as defense? I.e. Jazz into the infield, Dane moved out of the outfield, things like that. I think think nothing after the deadline. I think next year will be massive changes again. I, I think it's hard to envision them. If, if Gene Segura goes the way he's going this year, it's hard to envision that being back. It's hard to envision anybody at shortstop because they don't have one. Uh, you know, Cooper, if he's gone, they won't have a first baseman. Arias could play second. Maybe he moves on to first. Maybe they, you know, the Jazz experiment. I, I don't. This is not an experiment there as a fielder, but I, I don't know that there's a commitment beyond this year to that. They haven't mentioned that one way or the other, so they could move him to second. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. I think the corners with, with Sanchez and De La Cruz seem pretty stable, either both being starters or being part of an outfield group. So that means a change at first, a change at short, a change at third, a change at catcher, and maybe a change at center field. That's a lot. But not this year. Not this year. Not, not like right after the deadline. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Thank you, Greg. Yep. All right, well, that'll do it, Craig. Thank you once again. First-time guest, um, so we'll, we'll take it. Thank you very much. Um, and we do this every Sunday night. This is our weekly show. See you at the finish. We want to do more guests. And, again, become a super subscriber. You can speak in these all you want. Anyone can speak. Um, once again, we do this every Sunday, Fish on First Bath. 
And we started this new Fish on First Spaces account after we got our Fish Stripes account, like, completely back. So we've converted it, and we'll do spaces from that account um, probably a lot up until the deadline. So make sure to follow them if you weren't already and listen in there. We'll do them as deals break. But uh, that's all we've got. So, Craig, thanks once again. If you got any final words, uh, go ahead. But if not, we'll get out of here. Craig, can you hear Grant? No, not at all. <laughs> okay, so he just said thank you and did a whole um, uh, outro thing. If you have any last words you want to say before uh, we head oh, out, oh no, listen, thank you guys, thanks you guys for having me. I'm, you know, I'm very proud of you guys for you know doing your own thing away from fish stripes, and you know it seems like you guys are. You know, I hope you have a tremendous amount of success, and uh, you know, I, I what I really appreciate most, I think, about all of the people at Fish on First is. Um, you know, you're all trying to create your own voice in this industry and in this business. And so I was once there too, many years ago. And if you just keep, you know, realizing that, you know, media is changing and what you guys are doing is more of what the future is and you'll be your own person, you know, just continue on the path you guys are going. I think that you'll continue to be successful. And, you know, I really appreciate, even though it's like sort of, I guess it's sort of like a competition. It's not really a competition because I, I really don't feel like I'm honestly competing, no disrespect, with anybody here. I just feel like we're, we're all just doing what we're doing. Uh, but the way that you guys have respected me, certainly, and you know, credited me with everything that I do and making sure that people know that um, you know when I break a story or when I have news that I was the one that was reporting it, you know, that, that re- it does mean a lot to me because I think that that's important with how hard I've worked on this. So... Um, you know, I, I, I do, uh, I do, I do wish you guys, you know, certainly all the best success. Uh, I, I promise that, you know, August 1st is going to be crazy. Probably I would assume it's, it's you know, I, I remember last year how insane it was sitting in the dugout next to Josh Appel as, as Pablo was almost traded to the Yankees. Like it was, I almost, like I, 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 I had a tweet ready to send guys. Like, I had a tweet of Pablo Lopez traded to the New York Yankees, ready to send. So, it's it's exhilarating, it's fun, it's nerve-wracking, and and I hope that we can come on again and do this, you know, after the deadline or something and kind of go through it a little bit again. And I really appreciate all the, the fan support. And, uh, you, know, let's, you know, let's embrace being buyers a little bit longer before we're ready to just throw in the towel here, you know? Like, I know it's tough, and I know the team's losing. They don't look like they're going to World Series or anything like that, but there's a lot of people that are over the age of 30 who have seen a lot of losing in the last 20 years. And, and if the future gets sacrificed for you guys in your 20s for a couple of years because they went for it this year and they end up sucking next year, you know what, man? So be it. <laughs> you know, like, got to Gotta gotta have a winning year every once in a while, man. Like this has gotta be the year that they try. They're so close. We could be here next year. They could be ten games under five hundred. So uh, I'll leave you guys with that. Just let's let, let's try to get a buying season here this year, so I can break a buying trade as opposed to a selling trade, please. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks a lot, Craig. So this is Eli Sussman here. The rest of my fish on first, guys. Yeah, we'll be back on the spaces next Sunday, but we have three live streams between now and then on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter. We'll do Marlon Shepherdy in between. 
And uh, yeah, just a whole lot of content and easiest way to support us. Just go to fishonfirst.com. And right at the top, you could become a paid super subscriber to help us uh, doing what we're doing. So great audience here. We hope to have you guys back the next time. And we, we encourage you guys to speak about what's on your minds with this team moving forward. So yeah, two hours more than enough on this with Craig. And like you said, we'll uh, have even more to talk about pretty soon. Just count down the days to the deadline. Everybody have a great night and go fish.